So today's guest, you know, I was sitting here thinking, okay, what am I going to do for the intro? And James just asked, we start. you got the intro saved. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't write it. Um, reason I didn't write it, out of anybody we've had on this uh, podcast thus far, I have the greatest degree of context and life experience uh, with this gentleman. We're about to sit down right here. And I met him because we were a few doors down from each other at UGA our freshman year. And that little, that little happenstance uh, happened to be dramatic in regards to its influence on my life. Uh, and I'd say that maybe more than anybody else I know in my life, this gentleman defines what it means to be uh, a, a multi-talented individual, a renaissance man, if you will, uh, whether it's athletics, whether it is music, artistry, whether it's business. Uh, this guy goes after what he, what he wants, and he chases it ferociously, and he does so humbly. He does it without needing anybody else to pat him on the back. He does it because he felt like it. And, uh, and I, I cease to be impressed uh, with just how varied his pursuits are. Uh, most recent in that lineup includes his foray and venture into real estate, uh, which he has done a phenomenal job at. And I remember he showed me just his plans on his notebook. And then when he took me to a meeting where he's closing all these deals and getting the checks. So, uh, so it's been a phenomenal, a phenomenal journey to watch uh, as a friend and as an admirer. And without further ado, I want to welcome Keaton McNeely to the podcast. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. I, I appreciate that, um, that in, uh, introduction, man. Um, you know, I'm just ready to get into it. I've been working a little bit today, but, you know, had to free up my schedule to come rock with you guys on the podcast. My God. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So you know how we do. We're going to jump into it with some questions. Now, first one for me, if you think and reflect on your entire time, so all of your life at UGA, what is the first memory that comes to mind that jumps out to you when you think about your saga at UGA and all that that encompasses? Um, <clears throat> it would definitely be uh, something that involves the people that I met my, my first year, man. Um, living in those dorms at Creswell, Creswell, it was just so monumental because the hallway that we were in was so diverse and everybody, you know, made made friends with each other and, and there weren't any major issues. And, and we all pretty much stay connected to this day. Um, so I would say that the, the, the biggest thing for me is just having that experience with um, all of those different types of people in the dorm room kind of inspired me and, and, and showed me there by me seeing their goals, it made me want to amp up my goals, you know. Cool. One sense. for me before we get into uh, you know, kind of what you're doing. Um, the dollar amount, I don't need to know the activity or or what time of your life it was. What is the largest dollar amount bag you've ever lost? In one sitting. Oh one sitting. man. <laughs> uh probably a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Sheesh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but we bounced back. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's all about growth. It's all about learning from your mistakes and, and understanding your strengths and, and your weaknesses. Um, and when it comes to losing money in general, um, when you start getting money, you, you obviously know that it can be lost at any moment. And I think the biggest um determinant of a man is how he bounces back from opposition how he responds to adversity um <clears throat> and i wouldn't say that i'm the best at that but i would say that i'm always going to bounce back so you know what whatever it is that i'm doing i'm going to make sure that i'm going to make sure that at least i'm going to put in that effort to come back even stronger that's why you know, there are a lot of guys who say, um, I know a lot of billionaires who say, hey, man, I, I, if I went broke today, I would, I would probably want to kill myself or, or something like that. If I was poor, I wouldn't want to live. Um, I think that understanding the ability to bounce back is major and, and a big testament in a man and, and understanding that 
you can pretty much come back from any pitfall in your life as long as you stay dedicated, stay consistent, and stay on the right path. Wonderful answer. <laughs> Preaching, man. Preaching. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So, so with that, let's go ahead and, and, and jump into what it is you have going on today. Now, if you want, you can give the listeners a, a brief overview of kind of what other steps have been involved in you getting to this right here. But uh, your venture has been, and has been many. But right now, you're focused on RHP, Real Hungry Properties. Uh, so if you could just, just give the folks an overview and, and break down what it is that you've been doing. All right. So um, I am a real estate investor. Uh, I specialize in creative financing, whether it be wholesaling, um, lease options, um, uh, purchasing and, and, and flipping, wholesaling, um, subject to there are so many different creative financing options when it comes to real estate. And I just kind of delved in and, and, and picked a, a certain niche in the real estate market. And I'm attacking that every day. What was it that, that led you to one, even, even knowing that it existed? Um, and, and then what, what was it that convinced you out of all the options you have? Because for those who don't know, you also have a degree in business uh, from the Terry School of Business at the University of Georgia. Um, so you have a lot of options. There's a lot of things you could have done. So what was it that, that made the wholesaling of the creative financing and real estate appeal to you in such a way that you said, you know what, I, I believe it's a good time, a good opportunity for me to really go all in on this. Um, well, I, I definitely wanted to get into real estate since I was a kid. I always loved playing the game Monopoly. And <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I I saw that there was an ability to get in without necessarily having um, an exorbitant amount of funds. Um, you know what what they call OPP, other people's money. You can leverage that and you can use it to build your own empire up. Those are my dogs, man. They they barking at the uh, the deer in the backyard. But um, I think that when when I first started out, I said, hey, I want to get into real estate. I want to have a rental. You know, that was my main goal. Um, and, and that turned into me having two rentals and then me understanding that, hey, there's somebody in my family who may have property that that I could leverage somehow. So just putting the 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 um the dots together overall and 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 finding ways to get into real estate without actually having to use my own money because I needed to stay liquid at the time. How do you think having a degree in business has shaped your uh your experience with real estate? Um it 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 showed me that you you can't be taught how to grind. You can't be taught how to work hard. So there are many people who do have degrees and oftentimes they take that degree so that they can get a job. Well, <clears throat> you know, your, your, your upward mobility is sometimes limited in those jobs. Whereas if you're working for yourself, um, your, your upward mobility is based off of how hard you work. So I think there are two different people um, in the world and, and there are people who have their mindset on, you know, trading time for money, if you will. And then there are people who want to leverage the time they have so that they can put the, the minimal amount into the maximum gain. Leverage. I'm glad you mentioned that point of leverage because that's like a basic physics principle that if you can increase the leverage, you can uh, increase what you're able to get out of it with minimal force and input. And when you explained to me for the first time the creative real estate, uh, creative financing component of real estate, specifically the wholesaling, I'd never really heard about it before. And it was kind of wild to me. I'm like, okay, well, if this is an option for people, why don't more people do this? Mm -hmm. So why do you think more people don't do it? Um, I think it has to do with uh, just not having that information, not having that, um, that knowledge. Um, this is a, a strategy that people have been using since the beginning of time, right? In, in, in every different form, right? Like all of your major grocery stores buy from wholesalers, right? But 
you but the wholesalers they buy it from somewhere else okay so it's just the act of being a middleman um and and creating a win-win for for you and the homeowner uh, and i think the reason why people don't get into it is just because they they don't know and then when they do know you have to put in a certain amount of time and work to get a result so um it takes resources to understand that right and, and it takes having the knowledge and, and thankfully we live in an internet age where you can pretty much find out anything you want to find out on the internet so <clears throat> i think i think if if people would search out how to create their own thing rather than trying to work for a job and, and hop on somebody else's thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working for a job. I worked a job before I did this, like forever. And and it was it was beneficial to me because I took advantage of that. Um, but I just think the main reason why people aren't getting into it is because it's hard. Okay. Like you have to talk to people, you have to have people skills. Um, you have to go on appointments, you have to be on the phones especially starting out, man, you're going to have to hit those phones. Like I was hitting the phones every day. I was calling people. Um, I had some friends who, who, uh, you know, would come in there with me and, and we both be calling and he would see, he would see progress, but he wouldn't see a deal. So, you know, he, he quit basically. Right. And, um, <clears throat> it, that's fine. You know, he, he has a good job with a bank right now. Um, but I think that, it, it's it's about a hustle and it's about an understanding of, um, you know, it's a numbers game and you have to have the ability to articulate yourself well enough to make something happen. You know, people have to respect you to want to do business with you. In that pocket of, uh, of wholesale real estate uh, or the creative financing <laughs> real estate, um, where where's the biggest arbitrage? Like what type of property? If you're going to go out, yo, I want to make the most amount of money here. I want the ROI to be the highest. What does that look like? Like, how does someone search that out? Um, uh, it's basically about picking a market um, and understanding the, the things that play in, in each market. Like, if you want big margin deals, you're going to have to go into a market where there are more expensive houses. But where more expensive houses are, um, there's more competition. So uh, you're going to have to increase your marketing. So your marketing budget is going to be big. Like right now, you know, I might be spending between five to ten thousand dollars a month on marketing <clears throat> um, to get back like 30, 40 grand a month, um, you know. But at the same time, if I was to go into a bigger market um, with more expensive houses, then I might have to spend 15, 20,000. But you can obviously get a deal without spending any money. Okay. And that's about the hustle within yourself, you know, and, and that's about going out there and, and finding deals and driving around and looking at properties. Um, but if you want bigger deals, go to a market where there are more expensive houses and the math adds up. And, and I always say, because you can do this from anywhere, you know, do it, going virtual and, and testing out different markets is always a good idea because you know, you might go into a market where the houses are um, two or three times more expensive than the houses in your market. So now I'm I'm here in Georgia and I'm getting deals in California where the margins are like a hundred, two hundred thousand a deal, and I might spend twenty grand in marketing. Um, it's it's just all about you know understanding and putting those uh, tools together. So in this path, I know you said that we live in this internet age. What have you found to, to be the what was most helpful for you to get your mind wrapped around this whole concept, learn the skills? Uh, where did you really kind of get that that training or that education? Um, definitely YouTube, uh, hitting YouTube hard, searching anything about um, real estate, trying to understand it, trying to understand what I had to do to get a deal, trying to formulate the steps. Um, and then I would also say, you know, the the people that I ended up working with as a result of this business taught me a lot. They're still teaching me a lot. You know, I, I go on different appointments with buyers and all that kind of stuff. And, and they break down the issues of certain houses 
and what you want to look for out for. Um, so it's helpful to it's helpful to um, to use other people to source knowledge from and asking questions and and asking what hey what what would this be priced at or what would you buy this at and how much would this rehab be and 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 you know what's a good price for this so you always just want to challenge yourself and you don't want to act like you know it all you know just just having the ability to learn from other people and and being coachable and not taking offense to anything if if somebody tells you hey you got a shit deal you know <laughs> just understanding that hey okay i locked it up too high where should it be you know heck yeah so opm and opk yeah how's the response <laughs> uh from from real estate agents and brokerages and and other people in the space that um you know they get their certificate and they're out here knocking doors and sending eddm and they're sitting broke as hell in the office what's mm -hmm. the response from those kind of people to you doing what you do um, my personal, like having personal experience with them, everybody that I've ever had contact with were pretty, pretty solid to me. Um, I had this one guy, we had like a three month partnership, you know, he paid me a thousand dollars to give me, to give him dead leads. And he was getting a lot of listings from that. So, um, you can work with real estate agents and, you know, they start seeing what you're doing and then they start doing it too. You know, like after those three months, he learned what I was doing and then he started doing it for himself. Um, it's, it's just a, a little bit of more formalities that you have to go through with doing that. But, um, you know, I, I haven't gotten any crazy backlash from any real estate agents. What is having done this at this point? Do you see there being any? benefit to ever getting a, a realtor license at this stage or um yeah yeah no definitely so um that's what i'm going to be working on in 2022 and and i think that it opens up a lot of a lot more doors for you um especially being able to get into different businesses by having that license so i there i don't see anything wrong with having a license you just have to give more disclosures to the seller like if if you're calling the seller um you have to let them know you're an agent and then uh <clears throat> you've got to disclose in in all your documents that you're an agent so it, it's it's basically the only difference is just disclosure really um i don't i don't see there any being any crazy negative repercussions unless there's somebody who just says oh i don't work with agents and that happens a lot too i don't want to work with an agent because they think you're going to screw them because that's the reputation that some agents have built kind of like these car salesmen like, i don't want to talk to them cats <laughs> yeah 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 i mean if you're working for a commission and not working for the seller you know man i've, I've had some appointments where i didn't get the deal but i did a lot of work to to um help the seller you know that i guess my craziest appointment was one time i went to this lady's house i was trying to buy her mobile home and she had it was like three and a half acres um on a mobile home the mobile home was pretty pretty dirty pretty wrecked but you know probably like 30 40k rehab um and we were gonna get it low but i didn't get that deal but i went by on the appointment and her dogs got loose her her dogs got loose so it's just me and her grandchildren they came back from school and we're running around the whole neighborhood for like an hour just trying to chase these dogs down i never got the deal i called her back she never you know whatever they got going on in their family you know it, it's none of my business but i never got the deal but i was willing to you know do whatever it run the takes, dogs down you know like help her out yeah, because because to me, it's more about helping these people out because the reason why they're working with us is because they can't work with anybody else. Agents have rejected them because sometimes the house is just too bad for an agent to want to list. Mm. Mm. Man. Running after dogs, man. Power to bro. You, bro. And those dogs were fast and it was like three of them. And and the kids were just like miles behind me. I was like running. I was probably like a hundred yards uh, in front of them, chasing these dogs down. 
and we ended up catching all three. <clears throat> and the lady yeah, was man. in a wheelchair, so she wasn't even. Yeah, she damn she sure was, wasn't going to catch him. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Maybe they was just trying to get, get away from the mobile home. Maybe it was a, a poor living environment. Maybe you actually <laughs> did the worst thing. You helped her, but you, 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 <laughs> you damned the dog's fate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm the dogs, they, they skirted, though, for real. Man, your training did, did well at UGA, man. It prepared you for that exact moment. <laughs> Definitely. So you're doing this real estate stuff, um, but you also have some other things going on. So aside from the real estate, what are you most excited about? Where, where else do you put your time? Do you pour your time into when you're not working on these deals? Um, so I also put my time into my car wash business, uh, that we have out there in Fort Valley, Georgia. We're actually starting to do a rehab on it, um, full renovation and, and we're, we got some things in the works. I don't want to reveal it yet, but once we get it up and running, um, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of good things on the horizon with that. And then, um, I'm doing a lot of YouTube content creation, um, you know, just trying to spread awareness about current events and, and reviewing news articles. So, you know, certain hobbies, uh, obviously continuing to educate myself in real estate, um, obviously my fitness as well. Um, and I'm looking to start a couple other businesses that I've done a little bit of research on and, and feel like could be lucrative for me you know so when with somebody that has a lot going on how do you evaluate what is worth it when factoring in um, the actual literal capital that's required the human capital that may go into it opportunity cost how do you make that judgment as far as okay i'm about to spend 10 hours of my time a week plus five hundred dollars in in vas or whatever it might be um, 30 grand, whatever, whatever it is to get into these different avenues. How do you make those decisions? Um, I just kind of wing it, you know, <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I wake up, I know what I want to do, whatever I can get done in the day. I, I, I get it done. Um, you know, I, I made sure that my real estate business doesn't take the majority of my time. So <clears throat> I'm able to put that money in there. And I got some people on my team who I really trust and they work really hard. So um, I'm able to trust them with the majority of the business and, you know, pretty much it's automated. So I just, I, 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 I go to appointments and I pick up checks and like, like the first six to nine months, it was me on the phone every day um, doing whatever to get a deal, driving for dollars. You know, now I got some other people that drive for me. Um, so I pay them to drive for me and find more driving for dollars deals. And I pretty much got it down to where it's automated. And all I got to do is spend the money and pick up the checks. Good. Um, I was just going to ask you, no, you got what was the process of getting VA set up and how is that? Uh, how has that exponentially grown your businesses? Because I know you probably use them for more than one. Yeah, so um, I at first I was using VAs for um, a lot of the content creation that I was doing, but it was getting a little too expensive. But VAs for um, real estate and that specific businessman, uh, it, it, it's changed a lot. It's freed up my time, um, and and how to go about procuring those is is looking for uh, VA hiring agencies. There are some really good ones out there. Um, and, and, and there's some people who understand this business and understand your needs and, you know, really want to see you succeed in a major way. And they help you out a lot. They pour into you. Now, some of these programs aren't cheap. Um, so you'll definitely need some capital, but you know, you'll, you'll, you'll also see results. Now, at any point, have you asked yourself, where there is the opportunity cost of, okay, if I have this other side business and it takes this much money to keep it operational, this much time, uh, if there's a limit uh, on the degree to which it can be automated, 
Are you optimizing? This is a better way to phrase the question. Are you optimizing for overall Keaton's happiness in life? Or are you still in the mode where you're trying to optimize for Keaton's profits so that Keaton has more options down the road? Um, so I'm, I'm definitely trying to make the most money in a short amount of time uh, to get to that financial freedom point. And, and you know, what, what that looks like to me is different from what that looks like to others. But um, I'm, I'm trying to grow this thing. And a lot of the time that I have to put into it is more, more time that I, I like things that I enjoy doing. Like I, I like looking and breaking down deals and making videos for my VAs to keep pouring into them and teaching them uh, just as much as I know about the business. You know, I, we do uh, team meetings three times a week and we discuss how, how the business is going. And, and then I also teach them new skills, teach them new ways to find deals. So, um, you know, I, I like doing things like that. Um, so that's, that's pretty much when it comes to my time, it's, it's not even that going, going harder in the business would, I guess, take away from happiness. It would just, it would just make me realize how much bigger I can grow it. Um, and so for instance, that was just kind of my thought process because I had the assumption, the hunch that you are optimizing for profitability right now. So why not double like this is a conversation sort of thing that like James and I talk about on a weekly basis, kind of just like focusing Mm -hmm. on a thing to try to pour everything you can into it. So do you not think it's ever become or could become detrimental pulling yourself between brick and mortar businesses like your car wash? Um, between making content on YouTube, which I, I know you're doing your thing, but it probably doesn't bring in the same kind of money that the mm-hmm. real estate does. Why not just focus on real estate for a while? Like only do that and fucking destroy it. Um, well, I think that's kind of what I started off doing. Like, so in the beginning, it was just only real estate. I wasn't really doing much of anything. It was just 100% real estate. But I think there also comes to a point where you really can't do more. You know, like if if you got agents who are dialing the phones and they're making 5,000 calls a week, you can't compete with that yourself. So the time that you have, whether making training videos for your agents, um, you could be driving for dollars, but if I, if I got somebody doing that for me, it's like my main focus is just managing those people. So I think it's, it's, it's like when you, when you think about it, you try and figure out what else you can be doing. And to me, that would be pouring more money into the business, but pouring more money into the business will make it so that it's even more automated. You see what I'm saying? So like and every, that's why I'm asking why you haven't done that. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty much like that. Um, like that. Honestly, I could not do anything. I I don't. I'm I, like I meet with my agents three days a week, and um, I couldn't. I don't have to do that, but it's something I do to to coach them up and keep them on point. Um, so it's like I'm I'm trying to think of other things that I can do besides educating myself more, you know, yeah. like because I'm really I'm, just I'm really just giving you a hard time because sometimes James tells me I, I'm like too softball on people when we I, interview. I feel what so. you mean, though. I feel what you mean, though, because <laughs> it's like, am I am I could I could I be do, when I'm doing this and when I'm doing that, could I be doing just 100 percent real estate? But a lot of it takes a lot of these things do take time. So, you know, I'm and the market is only so big. You know, I fully get it. And if you've kind of targeted where your budget allocation makes sense to not literally be spending 99 percent of your net revenue to pour right back in the business, which may not be totally logical yeah. or feasible. So, yeah, I was really just trying like to there's there's bread. some things that I could do, like pay for a course or pay for coaching or something like that. But also I tell you more of the same, you know, it. it, it Kinda, it's like you're paying for the connections. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, 
am I at that point yet where I want to spend $10,000 just to be connected to some guy who's doing uh, a million a month? Maybe, you know, but it, it's more of a money thing than a time thing. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I guess making that investment, making that investment would free up more time for me if if the bang is for the buck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you pay <laughs> that 10 the buck, yeah. or the, you know what I'm saying? If, if you pay that 10K <laughs> and you're really getting OK, boom, I was here and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have been considering paying for the course, but then I also, you know, the, the people that I learned it from, you, you can pretty much learn everything that you need to know straight up online. And, mm-hmm. you know, I may put a course together myself, but just, just, it, it's not going to be priced super crazy because, you know, I'm just selling free information. Yeah, but hold on, but hold on, hold on. <laughs> and hold and on, I didn't make it up. Oh, Jay said, "Hold up, stop." Give me some perspective, Jay. Look, the the what is the difference between? And I'm not asking you to divulge any kind of tax information <laughs> or where you're at monthly, but like, what is the difference in what your oh, daily yeah. habits look like today, and what you're making to what it would look like for you to make 500k a month, or a million dollars a month, or a million dollars a year, so 100k a month? Like, you are very open at least in small part, on your social about when you're closing checks mm-hmm. and what those size of deals are. What is the difference between your habits today mm-hmm. and your habits to get to 100K every four weeks? 13 billing cycles in the year with 52 weeks, 100K, that's, that's $1.3 million. Like what habits have to change? You mm-hmm. got to stop, you gotta stop uh, clapping cheeks. Do we have to stop you know, doing car wash stuff? Do we, have to, <laughs> like, do we have to automate more? Like in your mind, what's going to level you up? Because you're poised, absolutely. 100%. Are you <laughs> right, just right, playing right. too small of a game for where you're actually at within your capabilities? Um, okay, so... <laughs> no, really. I, I, I love that question. To amp it up, yeah, it would probably take me being mm-hmm. on the phones too. Um, me trying to, trying to schedule, okay... Okay, I'm going to drive for dollars too. I'm going to get on the phones too. I'm going to um call agents too. I'm going to do for sale by owner too. But I think that would you know, I think it would it would it would definitely be beneficial um in growing it, but mainly it would just be like, okay, why would I do that if I can just hire somebody else to do that and just Cause that's, it, it, it's pretty much, I'm, I'm still trading time totally for money. You. you see what I'm What's saying? Disc- so I would rather just pay somebody to do that, which I'm about to bring on some more people. Once this next, next check clears, like every time I clear a check, I'm bringing on another person, um, to, to basically replace oh, things that I yeah, was I totally doing, hear that. What's you your know? most, what's your most valuable so skill? I think th- oh, go ahead. Uh, my most valuable skill is getting in front of people, man. Um, I think, I think like when my, my agents, they get me appointments all the time. I probably go three to five appointments, um, a week. And once I get in front of people, we, we have a good vibe and we're closing 50% of those deals that, uh, we do appointments. on. Okay. So what I'm hearing is your, your most valuable skill is sales, in-person sales. Okay. Is there not mm-hmm. a way for you to ramp up or exponentially grow what you're doing outside of you just doing 5,000 phone calls a week to get your face in front of more people? Because like, I don't really know how this works necessarily, um, so, how you're finding deals or anything. Yeah. So it, all of it is marketing. So in my opinion, the best way to find deals is driving for Can dollars, you tell us driving around, means? finding. Yeah. So <laughs> you're driving around, looking at a house. Um, seeing distress on the property, whether it be high grass, uh, broken windows, bad roofing, whatever, something that basically shows that the property is messed up. Um, you take that property down and then you call the homeowner. That's pretty much what it is. Um, and I would say between driving for dollars leads, you probably 
every 500 um, uh, properties that you list, you'll probably get a deal, you know? Uh, so I think that would be like the best way to do it. Um, hold on. Can you repeat the question? My bad. My focus is messing up. No, you good. It sounded like from everything you've told us, I don't want us to belabor this point. We could explore some other areas of this conversation while we have your time, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you are effectively doing what you could be doing. And the best quote unquote, our fastest way would be to dump more money in yeah. people, which is what we established earlier, which I was like, I'm just giving you a hard time at this point because I totally feel you. So uh, and I think James gets that as well, but he's like, all right, where could we eke out the last bit of performance yeah, from it, you? Yeah. But getting more so it's people. definitely about pouring more money into it. Oh, we, we were talking about marketing, like how to find deals, driving for dollars. Um, you can do mailing, you can door knock. I've gotten um, some deals off of door knocking. It's just, it's just nowadays, if you're door knocking and there's somebody who's like COVID sensitive, they kind of give you a hard time. Um, so that's a thing that kind of changed up how you want to go about your marketing. Cause I was doing door knocking all the time until I knocked on somebody's door and they cussed me out for the COVID stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, okay, if I go to the next door and the same person feel the same way, and then you can get into all types of legal troubles and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, uh, I think when it comes to finding a, finding a deal, uh, definitely automating that and, and finding people who are a good fit for your business is the best way to go about that. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. Like I'm about to hire somebody else to uh, who's going to be a bilingual. So they're going to be able to uh, speak to Spanish agents that um, or Spanish homeowners and, and even Spanish agents uh, who, uh, excuse me, who, who they may not be able to. Theory, yeah, uh, exactly. So um, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. Trying to, trying to figure out what's how to separate myself and what I got going on. Cause I'm still on the phones and I'm still like most of the day I'm like looking at what my agents are doing. And sometimes I'll tag team on a call or um, something like that. Then I'll go on an appointment. But I think the main thing is if I, if I was to throw another 10,000 down on, on my marketing and my personnel uh, that would double it. But I think that it, it, I, I should do that gradually, like month to so month basis. Yourself. Yeah, because um, sometimes, man, it's just hard to find a freaking deal. You know, sometimes there's there, there's issues that you could you, you might think that you found a deal and then uh, it's in probate and you got to wait and they haven't got um, word back about the probate. Um, like there's this try this house I'm trying to buy in my neighborhood right now. And I called them up um, and the the homeowner died but his family's still going through probate they've been going to through probate for a year um so he's like yeah just call me um you know follow up with me every now and then so i gotta wait a month to call him and then there's like 10 other people that say hey call me in a month call me in two weeks so sometimes it's like um some of this it just takes time you know like the first two weeks of this month was a ghost town. Nothing. We're making dials, not getting answers, getting hung up on. Um, like literally nothing, no response, like no leads for two weeks. And I'm like, what the hell is 2022 got the offer? Mm -hmm. And then this past week, we get like 10 leads on Monday. And I'm over here comping all day. You know what I'm saying? So that's just kind of how the it, it, it if it it there's like ebbs and flows with it. Um, sometimes you'll be really busy and then sometimes you won't be busy, but, uh, I think it just depends on the amount of agents that you have and, 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 uh, you know, just keeping them on point, how much money you're throwing into it is really what it, the, the point that it's at now. Like for me to scale it, I got to throw double the amount of money that I'm throwing in right now. And I'm, I'm trying to do that more gradually. Um, and because to me, it's, it's a people business. So I'm trying to find people who fit. And sometimes that takes time too. like, bro, I've been trying to hire multiple different agents and they just don't work. 
Uh, you know, I can't really track them that well. They're not really responsive. I've fired like literally in the past two or three weeks, at least like five people. So, and that takes time to do those interviews and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. And, and, and that, that kind of gets annoying too, where you, you have a really great interview and they know everything to say and they're answering all the questions right. And then you put them on the phone and, and you can't tell if they're getting calls or you can't tell if they're online and they're not being responsive. So there's just different issues that come up that I've been trying to deal with. Um, and that takes time. And then that takes like that mental fortitude of, okay, am I just, am I just bad at hiring? Do I need to find somebody who's good at hiring? You know, cause I'm bringing these people on and they're interviewing really well. But then when I'm having my weekly team meetings, they're not showing up to the meetings or they're showing up late or, or they're not doing the tasks that I assigned for them throughout the week. So it's just different things that you got to manage. Um, and I think most of my time when it comes to this business is, is managing people, uh, which takes time. You got to yeah. be patient. One with last people. thing on that real quick. <laughs> uh, you're talking about like sporadic follow-up, right? That would be classified as lead nurture. Have you thought about using any automation platforms to have that be running where you could jump in and out of conversation? Uh, what do you mean in and out so of conversation? Like having... Um, you're one of my leads and you're like, Hey, call me in two weeks. So I set up an automation. I drop mm -hmm. you into a sequence where it's going to follow up with you in two weeks. It's going to send you a text from the same number that I've been contacting you from. And then when they respond, mm -hmm. I can jump in with my actual manual fingers and respond. And if they don't respond, then it has a follow-up sequence every seven to 14 days after that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we, we have mm -hmm. that built into our dialer. Um, so basically my agents do most of the follow-ups. Uh, because they're, I, I like to keep it uh, first point of contact and, and then, you know, refer you to upper management. That's kind of the, the sales scheme that I have. And it, it works pretty well. Most of the time I never speak to the sellers. Um, my, my acquisitions manager, he, he closes all the deals by himself usually. So he like, they're really good at doing the follow-ups. It's not a problem of, um, um, forgetting to follow up with this person. It's like, when you do follow up, Hey, okay. Call me in two more weeks. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, that's kind of really how it goes down in this business. Um, cause selling, selling your house is a big deal to a lot of people. Some people, this is the first time they've ever sold a house, you know, and they want to make sure they get it right. Cross their T's, dot their I's. They want to look over the contracts. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to talk to their family about it. They want to talk to their lawyers about it. They want to make sure that it's right for them. They want to prey on it, which I get a lot, you know. So um, a lot of the business is just being patient. Um, and and then some people can get offended also if you're like nagging them. Uh, I, I, you know, I've lost deals where, okay, we're, we're following up with them crazy. And they're like, okay, stop, just stop contacting me, you know. So, I mean, it, it really just depends. You're working with people, so you can't. You, you can predict it up to a certain amount, uh, but really what you can control is are those people who work with you and make sure that they're doing their job. Because if I tell him to follow up and he doesn't follow up, then I'm going to be disappointed. But if he's following up every time that I ask him, then I know that, hey, this is a guy I can rely on. Hell yeah, man. That makes a whole lot of sense. and. Um... And yeah, man, just from, from seeing where you started out, man, just the, the idea and the logo scratched in, in, in your journal, man. I'm super proud of you, dude. Um, it's not like you had to learn one thing to figure this fucking thing out. It was a lot of skills you had to pick yeah. up and put into play. And um, I remember you talking about today, you know, when I automated one day and I only had to call these people. So it's just cool to, to see you at this point. Uh, something I really admire. Um, so. Still related to real estate, but kind of a hard pivot. Uh, I just kind of want to throw it in here, a little curveball, and just see what you think. Mm -hmm. What do you think about virtual real estate? This NFT real estate. Mm. Um, you know, I I've been a I I've actually started a NFT um campaign. It's it's '90s baby NFT. It's just like uh, artwork from uh you know the '90s, really, and just trying to take. Uh, different events in time and, and, and doing something creative with it. 
So I, you know, I like the idea. I like the ability to, um, you know, bring wealth to you, you, your family digitally. I think that you have to be very careful with it. Um, I think that you have to understand what you're doing and and not over leverage yourself um, when it comes to that, because a lot of that is volatile. Um, but I think that overall, you can make a lot of money into it or you can make a lot of money doing it. But I think that you should also, you know, just understand what you're getting into with any investment strategy. Like I like it any way you can make money. I'm down for it. Um, you just have to make sure that you're knowledgeable and, and you don't go in and, and <laughs> you know, buy, buy a, a JPEG and, and think that you're going to become a millionaire just because you bought this JPEG and you think that it's going to be worth something in the future because there are a lot of NFT scams out there too. Um, and like celebrities are promoting NFT scams and all that, all, all types of stuff. People saying they're, um, giving a certain percentage of the sales back and they're not, you know, it's a lot of shit going on with the, um, with the NFTs and the metaverse. And, you know, I I think you just got to be careful and, and don't, don't put your whole life into that. Um, make sure that you're, you're, you're getting some hard assets and, and getting something that you can physically leverage, you know? Very well said. Very well said. Just want to get your thoughts on that while we're on the topic of yeah. real estate. If you're knowledgeable about it, man, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you know what you're doing and, and you're going in there and you're studying and and you're going to time the market and you're going to make sure that you don't um, that you don't over leverage yourself and, and whatever you throw in, you're willing to lose. You know, I, I love that. I, I love the ability to, um, you know, create wealth from something that somebody would have never thought like who would have ever thought that you'd be selling a jpeg like i could screenshot this this uh <laughs> video chat right now and if somebody felt it were it was worth $120,000 we could sell it you know so i think that's awesome um i just would caution anybody going into it to research and and understand what projects you're getting behind and and, uh, you know, don't just go into a project just because your favorite celebrity said, hey, this is a project that I'm investing into because nine times out of 10, they're getting paid to sponsor that and they're not invested a dime into it. Thanks. Um, cool. Let's um, let's transition into your brick and mortar. So the um, the car wash, man, um, how have you seen? the ebbs and flows with COVID, with the sensitivity, with you having employees, like how, I know that's com- probably completely different than your, uh, your real estate. Mm-hmm. Like, can you walk me through your, your mindset in buying that in the acquisition of it? And then, you know, kind of what you, uh, like future plans, not roll out anything that, uh, that's under wraps, but just kind of conceptually. Yeah. Um, so with the car wash, it's basically just business hacking. So we acquired two car wash. One of them we sold, um, the one that we bought in Macon, we sold, it was three of my friends or two of my friends, rather, we all three went in on it. Um, and we were just business hacking, you know, we bought it and we, we planned on selling it. That's what we plan on doing with this car wash as well. We, we want to make sure that it's up and running and and profitable for a year or two. and, and and you know, sell it because that's how um, you build wealth by taking a business, making it profitable, and then handing it off and and making and watching somebody else make it even bigger. Um, but the way we acquired it is <laughs> pretty funny story. Um, the car wash is in Fort Valley. It's pretty hood area. A um, lot of drugs, a lot of crime. Um, right by a liquor store, uh, so there's a lot of foot traffic. There was a guy who was managing it. And the people in Fort Valley felt like he was a racist dude. So they pretty much every chance they could get um, did something to like disrespect the property uh, is all I'll say, because we got a lot of film of some crazy stuff going down. Um, But basically, he was tired of it. He was tired of uh, managing the property. He was tired of managing the people around the area. And he was ready to sell it. So we bought it from him. He left everything behind, left all the equipment, 
um, we got that equipment installed and now we're um, we just got it uninstalled to install some newer equipment. Um, we're, we're throwing in $25,000 to renovate the property. Um, and pretty much, you know, up until December, I was going down there once a month, collecting the change, depositing it into the bank account, uh, building uh, business credit and whatnot. Um, so that we could get a loan for the rehab and we're just going to rehab it and then run it that way. I have, uh, some cousins down there that come and maintain the property, mow the lawn, clean it up, dump the trash. Uh, and they send me a picture every time. Um, so most of that is pretty much automated. I only had to go down there once a week and pick up the money, um, and, you know, get a free car wash. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, James, anything else you want to dive into? Uh, y'all can keep going, but I, I hear baby crying. No, no. So, uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to have to wrap I think we kind of kind of dove into some things. There's no, no sense in just dragging it on, the same conversation going over. I mean, we, we will definitely have you back if there's something else we want to unpack. Uh, for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. Any last thoughts, Keaton? Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Um, I love what you guys are doing here. And, uh, you know, whenever y'all want me back, I'm definitely down. Bless us. Hell yeah, man. We'll definitely do it. If you could let the people know of any and everything you want them to know about, how they can follow you, get in contact with you if they're trying to sell a home, okay. all that good stuff. All right. So you can check me out on Real Hungry Properties Investing on Instagram, uh, The Hungry Investor on YouTube. Um, and you can hit me up there if you want to do a joint venture on a deal. Or if you just, you know, want to ask some questions to get your foot in the door. Um, but yeah, pretty much it. Okay. Okay. I was waiting to hear a Spotify <laughs> link, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep those lives separate. I hear you. I hear you. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you again for doing this, man. Much love, bro. And we will holler at you soon, man. All right. James, all right. Appreciate man. you guys having me on.